We're now going to begin the sixth parak of Maseches Erevin. This is Perik Vav Mishnah 6-1. And before we get into the parak, I'd like to take a step back and see the big picture um, so we can make sure we get the picture of the forest before we get um, back to the trees. For the last three prakim, we've been discussing the topic of Erev Tchumen, the distance where one may travel on Shabbos. Uh, and that has nothing to do with what we're talking about now. We're done with that topic. Those three prakim are sort of self-contained, if you will. Um, if you recall, the first two prakim we had discussed um, topics regarding um, where one may carry and how one may carry and what parameters one may carry. That was the issue of, of Hotza'a. Um, then we went to the topic of Tchumen, of where one can walk. And the distance where one can walk or travel on Shabbos has nothing to do with carrying on Shabbos. They're independent. Um, now here in the sixth parak, we're going to revert back to um, the topic of carrying. So let's just make sure this is clear. 39 malachas of Shabbos are forbidden. One of the 39, the last of the 39, is Hotza'a. Um, and Hotza'a really, again, includes three separate type of acts, either being Hotza'a, being Motzi, taking from the Rosh Yachid to the Rosh Hashanah also Hachnasa, taking from the Shusharab to Shusayachid. And the third thing is Ha'avara, transporting something in the Rishasarabim uh, Dalramos for Amos. Now the third ninth malacha of Hotza is called a Malacha Gerua, a lesser malacha, um, inasmuch as the it's not so clear and intuitive how one is a, applying his intelligent creative will on the universe to transform it. So in contrast to the other 38 malachas, when you're riding or when you're baking or when you're tying knots, when you're building, etc., it's clear um, your will is being posed to transform the world. It's not so clear how moving an object, Dalramos and Rishasarabim, is considered to be a malacha. But it is. Um, and perhaps because of that um, less intuitive status of Hotza, a huge amount of the Gemara is spent to ensure that this malacha is not carried out on Shabbos, and it's and this you know, the integrity of Shabbos is maintained. So much of Masecha Shabbos and essentially all Masechas Erevin um, is dealing with the malacha vatsa in the big picture. You recall when it comes to um, transporting in a rishus hayachid, a private domain. That means that it's at least four by four tfachim. Um, whatever, say 16 inches on a side uh, area, um, if it's offset from the Rabim with at least three mechitzas, three partitions, each of which are 10 tefachim high, three feet high or so, so then it doesn't matter if those partitions are off the ground, if it's you're talking about an elevated platform, if you're talking about a room that has three walls, talking about a, a well or a, you know a hole in the ground that's you know three feet or so, 10 tefachim deep, that's all called Rishasi Yachid. Um, and within the Rosh Hashanah Yachid, there's no problem carrying it all. Um, and when we say Yachid and Rabim, individual versus Rabim in public, we're not really focusing on if it's privately or publicly owned. We're just talking about um, that it's a private domain offset from the general public as Rosh Hashanah Yachid. It doesn't matter if it's owned by two people, Amitarais, at all. Nevertheless, the rabbis felt that there are many areas which, while may be considered to be Midoraisa, either Rishusa Yachid, where you could carry, um, or even a Makom Patur, it's not, not Rishusa Ram, um, and therefore Midoraman, it's a Carmelis. They felt that 
if we let people carry here without any kind of uh, restriction or inhibition, so then sooner or later they'll end up carrying in the Rishasarabim proper or transferring from their private domain into a bona fide Rishasarabim. And therefore, a whole slew of halachas kicked in. Now, the way that urban planning was in the time of the Mishnah, people lived in small homes, um, and their homes centered about a a chatzer, a courtyard, and that was a, a a private domain as much as the courtyard was offset from the public with walls, um, and no one else was entitled to be there. So one could carry there, but psychologically speaking, it doesn't feel like a private domain in as much as your home feels like a private domain, because in your home, it's only for you and the residents of the home. No, no shared occupancy no one's allowed to come in without permission. No one comes into your home and does stuff um, without your authorization. In contrast, the chatzer, the courtyard, was um, shared by many residents of homes all around the courtyard. You could think of it simply as, in a, as a, a, a modern-day apartment building that has like a lobby or something, so or any other shared facility. So it might be it's it's technically Rishus Yachid from the Hotza perspective, but psychologically, since it's um, used by the more than just you, it kind of feels a little publicy. That's not a word, of course, but it feels a little like that. And Chazal were concerned if people today take from their homes into what feels kind of like a quasi-public area, like the Chatzir, which is a shared space, um, sooner or later they'll carry from their homes into the alleyways and then eventually from their homes into the Rosh Hashanah proper. Um, and therefore, Chazal wanted people to have um, certain reminders um, slash infrastructure or inhibitions, whatever, to prevent people um, from just forgetting that there's a restriction from carrying from your private domain to a public domain. And therefore, they established all kinds of rules when it comes to two particular um, urban structures, if you will, the chatzer, the courtyard, which is your, just shared with other residents um, in the courtyard, but it's a totally bona fide rishusa yachid medorai, so you could carry there, no problem, and carrying from your home to rishusa yachid has no issue at all. Um but they wanted certain adjustments made, and those adjustments, are, I'll call them of, of residency, they're really psychological entirely. And the Mavui. The Mavui was where the Chatzir often opened up to, and the Mavui, as we discussed in the beginning of the Masechta, would lead as an alleyway, like a side street, to the Rosh Hashanah, to the main boulevard of the town. Or it could be a Mufulash, open on both sides, and lead to a Rosh Hashanah on both sides um, of the alleyway. Now, that also, if, we, if, it's, if it's not a mufulash, it's open just on one side, so it has three walls on the other three sides, um, and opening on the fourth Rosh Hashanah. So really, that's also considered to be technically a Rosh Yachid, and again, one could carry there a midoraisa, but it certainly feels pretty public. There's a lot of traffic there, unfamiliar faces there, um, etc., and it opens up when you cross that invisible line where the where the Mavui ends, the Rosh Hashanah begins, you're in Rosh Hashanah proper, and that's obviously just an invisible line, Um if you haven't got anything to mark it off. And therefore, Chazal said that we're going to do certain things to remind people that, well, maybe it's okay to transport in the, Rishos, in the Mavui because really technically it's Rishos Be careful so you don't come later on to carry or transport or transfer into the Rishos Arab. So there we had, um, that was the topic of the first parak of this Masechta, and we had the Lehi or the or the Korah, or the Tzuras of Pesach, something that, that marks off and offsets where the Rosh Hashanah ends and where the Mavui begins. Um, that was sort of architectural. Now, our parak, really the next few prakam, three prakam, are going to discuss with the other issue, besides for the architectural adjustments that would be required to the to the Mavui, 
there's going to be some other kind of adjustment that's going to require to be done that sort of makes it the residency issue, that makes people feel that um, they, they live with others, but it's different than a regular public space, um, both for the chatzer, which needs an architectural adjustment, and the mavui, which um, needed the lechir kor, whatever it is, but it's still also um, kind of public. And that the, the way that one is able to carry um, in the chatzer or mavui um, is actually the three possibilities. The primary basic possibility is called the Eruv. The Eruv, referring to um, food, so let's talk about Eruv Chatzeros. In the Chatzer, all the residents in the Chatzer would contribute, um, let's say, a slice of bread or a piece of matzah or money to buy such a thing, and then they'd keep all those matzahs in someone's house, and it was as if, since your home is kind of where your food is, it's just kind of as if everyone is like a consortium, like uh, and, and they all live together, like one big commune, living and they all live in that home and therefore the chatzer isn't um, like a shared space but rather it's a common space where they all live and they all share it as one it's not a separate people you know living there distinctly and, and using it together so by making this consortium of everyone living together like a commune and it's like all of us together live here and all of us together have this common space it's clearly distinct psychologically the chatzer from Amavui or from the Rishos Aram. Okay, so that's the Erev Chatzeros. And the Erev Chatzeros um, must be done with bread, specifically bread. Okay, now for the Mavui, it's basically the same idea. There's a different term used instead of um, the Erev, the combining of the Chatzer. It's called, they're called Shitufe Mavaos. A Shituf is a partnership. So it's Mishtatef, which um, partners up everyone in the Mavui, is again going to be food. You don't need to use bread per se. You could use whatever wine and cheese, whatever you like, as your as your um, as your shituf emavos. Again, everyone kind of contributes. It's a shared ownership, same kind of idea, um, just a different word shituf. And also, the mavi don't forget will require some architectural adjustments, meaning the lechi or kora, etc. Okay. Now, there are actually two other possibilities that would allow people who are living in the Chatzair to carry in the Chatzair, even if they didn't set up a Eruv to combine everybody. Now, those two possibilities, number one, let's say, for example, um, there are 10 residents, but one of them neglected to participate in the Eruv. He wasn't around, he forgot, whatever it is. So now, even if the other nine do make an Eruv, but the 10th guy didn't contribute and isn't part of it, so then the chatzir really is um, being shared by two entities. There's this one guy who's not part of the of the the air of the club, and there's the other nine people who act as a consortium. And that being the case, again, it has this sort of sh- shared use, and that's not good enough. And and in the language of the Mishnah, this one guy who didn't participate in the air of is oser. He restricts everyone else from carrying in the in the chatzir. So he has another option. His option is to um, relinquish his rights to using the chatzer. That's called bitzel rishos. And if he elects to be mavatel, annul his rights to use the the shared space, the common space, so he's taking another picture. If he's taking another picture, he's not using the, the common space, so now he's out and we're left with just the nine others who indeed did make an Erev, and they now work as a single consortium, and they can now once again carry inside the Erev. 
excuse me, inside, inside the chatzer. So while uh, the Eruv must be done before Shabbos to put everyone together, the mechanism called Bitzel Rishos, for those who didn't participate in the Eruv, can even be done on Shabbos. Okay, so those are the two basic um, ways which could allow everyone who are resident in the chatzer to carry in the chatzer. And the same kind of thing would apply um, to the Mavli. There's also a third possibility. Now, the third possibility is schirus. If a person, um, if the other members of the chatzer rent out, they purchase, they they lease out the rights of the other guy. So instead of the other guy um, being the vatel and walking away and annulling his rights, he actually um, sells his rights of the chatzer to the other members. Okay, that's the third possibility. Um, fine. Now. There are three categories of people to be considered, and they don't all have equal access to these three possibilities necessarily. So you have to consider Jews, non-Jews, and people who are Jewish, but they don't necessarily subscribe to rabbinic authority and the rabbinic fiction of the Erev being the symbolic unification of all the members of the Chatzir. So if we're talking about a regular Jew, Jewish residents of the Chatzir, so they can use the Erev mechanism. They can certainly do bittel and annul their ownership. As far as the Sechiras goes, to, to rent out their, their rights to this to the others on Shabbos. Um, so that is actually a Machlokas Roshonu, if it, if it can be done by a Jew. Uh, the Maram Rottenberg and the Rambam say no. The Rosh says um, yes. The Shulchan Aruch brings down both shitas. Tachronim go lakula with the Rosh that it can be done. Again, it's meaning that the, even a Jew could sell his rights and not be part of the Arab, but enable others to carry in the chatzer, um, provided that it's done before Shabbos, the selling is done before Shabbos, and that the purchase price um, is for the rights for the Shabbos is at least a pruta. Okay? For non-Jews, the rabbis did not allow them to participate in the Arab nor did they allow the non-Jew to do bitzel b'shos. They didn't allow the non-Jew to participate in the Erev because as a non-Jew, they certainly don't subscribe to the horribitic notion of um, this, this Erev chatzeros and what it works. They don't believe in it. They don't buy in it. Therefore, of course, they can't participate in it. They're not eligible for it. Fine. As far as bitzel b'shos, um, just actually walking away and annulling their rights to their shared space, they really should be able to work, technically. The thing is... Um, as the Gemara explains it, the rabbis wanted to make it difficult to live in a chatzer with non-Jews. The concern of the rabbis was that if you are neighbors with non-Jews, sooner or later they will have a bad influence on that, on you, and therefore um, they wanted to make it more difficult. And therefore the rabbis said the only way that you can be able to carry in your chatzer on Shabbos is if your Gentile neighbor agrees to uh, sell you his rights in the chatzer on Shabbos. And the thought was that your gentle neighbor would be very suspicious of your request to rent out his rights for using his own his own backyard um, or lobby of his apartment, whatever the story is. Um, and therefore, they would sort of suspect you of being up to some kind of mischief and not agree to it, which would make you not be able to carry, which would make you not want to live in the first place with the gentile, and therefore you'd move out. And that would be sort of make an impediment to Jews and non-Jews living um, together in close quarters as being neighbors, etc. So the non-Jew is, if you want to carry in your chatzer and you have a non-Jew living with you, you'll need to do schir. So you'll have to have him rent out his rights um, to to you 
and to everyone in the in the consortium of the, the other Jews in the in the Erev. The truth is halacha lamaisa. That does need to get done. It's just symbolic in nature. In truth, if the non-Jew agrees to sell his rights, but then he ends up caring or living or working or picnicking in the chazer, it's not going to mess anybody up. Um, it's just sort of a symbolic nature, and the transaction actually needs to even can even take place on Shabbos this chiras, and it can be done even for less than a pruta. Um, but that's that's the way it has to get done. Okay, so those are the two basic categories: Jews and non-Jews. Now there is a middle category, and that is um, someone who's Jewish. Let's say even they keep Shabbos, but they, let's say a kusi, the kusim. Well, remember those guys? They were Bias Rishon, the Samaritans. They were converts. At the time of the Mishnah, they were considered to be legitimate Jewish converts. And later on, in the time of the Gemara. That was reneged when they found that the Kusum had this idol on Hargrizim that they worshipped, and they, considered, they were considered um, uh, bona fide Ode Varazara, um, and they were not considered Jews. But at the time of the Mishnah, the Kusum were considered Jewish. Um, they were called Geri Arayot. They were lion converts because they only converted because the lions were attacking them, but they were converted nonetheless. And the Kusum um, did not, uh, they followed the, the Torah as it's written, but they didn't really believe. The rabbis had much authority. They didn't believe in the rabbinic um, enactments, and therefore they didn't subscribe to the notion of an Erev to unify. And that being the case, the Kusi um, isn't able to participate in the Erev with everybody else um, because he doesn't believe in it. So he won't be able to participate in the Erev. He'll be left um, with um, a bit of a type thing. He has to essentially annul his rights. Okay, that's the whole backstory. Now, the Mishnah side is going to start with a case of a small chatzir which has just two residents, one who is Jewish, one who is non-Jewish. And the Mishnah says inside, Hadar im hanachri If you have two people living together in a chatzir, one is the Jew, he's the subject of the sentence, and he lives with the Gentile in the single chatzir. Or if the other resident isn't a Jew, he's someone who doesn't subscribe to the notion of Erev, that's the Kusi, for example. So, Harei ze oser, this guy, the the Gentile or the Kusi, um, restricts the movements of the Jew, Allah, by virtue of the fact that he is not partici- sharing in the residency and single consortium in the Chatzir. Meaning, all things being equal, if you have a Gentile neighbor and you and your, in the shared Chatzir, you can carry in your Chatzir by virtue of the fact that it's the Gentile living there also. That's Rabbi Meir Shita, Tanakama. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer, he disagrees. And he says um, that whole, it all makes sense based on what we just set up to now. The thing is that the reason why the Gentile can't um, essentially annul his rights and, and he restricts you from carrying in the air of is all because the rabbis wanted to make an extra layer of uh, impediment for Jews and non-Jews to live together. However, Rabbi ben Yaakov holds that the rabbis weren't gozer in general. They weren't gozer on things there were not shchiach, they were highly uncommon, unlikely scenarios. They didn't bother making gazeras. Such They have no gazeras that applied to such weird scenarios. And in his mind, and really it's the Gemara's mind in general, even Tanakhama Rebbe agrees to this, it's highly unlikely in the time of the Mishnah that a Jew and a Gentile would live together alone in a chatzer. And the reason why is because the Jew would fear for his life. It was likely that sooner or later the Gentile would end up killing him perhaps, and no one would know, no one would hear him scream and so on and so forth. And this therefore it just seemed very unlikely in the time of the mission that a Jew and Gentile would a Jew would elect an opt to live with a, and a Gentile as his neighbor with no one else in the Chatzar to hear him scream. Um, and therefore Rabbi Lesbian Yaakov says, No, 
there's no such there's no such tinder abundant and therefore the gentile um his his living there is irrelevant there's no tinder abundant that restricts us from doing that and that being the case his presence doesn't stop you the jew who are living there from uh, from carrying on job so it says inside that gentile or the kusi same idea if you don't want Kusum to be and choose to be neighbors because of the same negative influence, but again, unlikely to be done just to you and him. And therefore, um, there'll be no restrictions on an individual Jewish resident in a chatzer like that. Ad sheyu shnei Yisraelim until there are two Jewish residents. At that point, osin each one you know restricts the other one because they have separate um, rights in the chatzer. And at that point, we have to consider the gentile or kusi as well. Um, now the halach is like. Rebbe Lezben Yaakov, meaning a single Gentile with a single Jew, does not restrict um, the Jew from carrying over there. And um, the reason why is in general the halach is always like Rebbe Lezben Yaakov because his mishnasa was kav v'naki. Um, his teachings were um, kav, which is kind of concise and naki. They were clear. So since his teachings were clear and concise, the halacha follows him, and therefore then halacha l'mayis will be that a single um, non-Jewish resident would not restrict um, the Jew from carrying in his own chutzir.